What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. What's up? My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, fellow SodaSoccer.com contributor, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, been uh, busy this week with a couple interviews and transcribing and whatnot for the for the website. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping busy despite the uh, the end of the lower league season, more or less. Um, so look forward to all that being out soon over this month. And uh, yeah, just doing well. I've met makes two of us on the busy train. I've actually been out at Minnesota United training this week for the first time ever. That has been a lot of uh, a lot of fun getting to know the lay of the land uh, there in Blaine and um, getting to hang out with our very own Jacob Schneider, as well as Andy Grader from the Pioneer Press. Jerry Zagoda is there as well. Uh, so it's uh, it's been fun. I've had a little bit more time on my hands. We'll have some more time on my hands moving forward to do more of that stuff. So hopefully we can bring you a little bit, uh, you know, more of that Minnesota United coverage that I know you all crave. Um, speaking of Minnesota United, that is where we're going to kick off the podcast this week. But first, got to let you know you are tuned into episode 102 of the podcast. Please leave us a rating and review. If you have not on your preferred podcast platform, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or leave us a rating on Spotify as well. And then uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast on your preferred platform, please do. Let's you know when you drop a new episode, puts it right there nice in your feed so you can tune into us. Um, also for 10k stoppage time, which is available over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash soda soccer. You can help support us for as low as $3 a month. But if you want to get some cool bonus content, um, a bonus podcast, if you, if you subscribe in that $5 tier or larger, um, you get 10k stoppage time, which is a weekly bonus podcast with myself and Dominic Jose Bazonio, where we sort of go in depth on a, uh, on a very specific topic as it pertains to Minnesota soccer. And this week, Dom, it's not necessarily us bantering a little bonus <laughs> interview on 10K stoppage time this week. Yeah, you know, um, in the past, on, on some occasions, we've we've put out uh, audio for interviews before and definitely want to try and get get back to doing that when we can. Uh, you, you actually did some of that with uh, your, your, your time at, at training this last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, this this weekend, uh, you'll get uh, sort of a, a preview uh, for an article that's that's coming out next week uh, about Michael Vane. And uh, so it'll be my interview with him, the the Q and A portion of the conversation. You'll get all that. It's it's every question and every answer that that I gave and received. And uh, yeah, it was it was great talking to him. I, I've had the pleasure of of knowing him um sort of from a a media standpoint for a long time now and he's always great to to talk with and work with and uh was great to catch up so our next week is going to kind of be catching up with where he's at what he's up to and obviously this interview is is the source of a lot of that information uh from his own point of view so uh folks that are that are on the patreon will get a, a nice little extra taste of that that whole interaction so that'll be fun. Make sure you're following us, patreon.com slash soda soccer. Um, any tier you subscribe in, uh, you will also get our uh, bonus audio from Minnesota United training this week. Good quotes. Uh, got a little introduction to new right back, Alan Benitez, um, uh, a translated interview there, which is really, really cool. Um, Heath has spoken to us multiple times this week, had a one-on-one with DJ Taylor yesterday as well. 
uh, or excuse me, Wednesday, as you're listening to this. So um, a lot of cool bonus audio straight from training, straight from the training ground on Blaine. So if you want to get that, uh, make sure you are subscribing to our Patreon and helping us out there. Again, that's patreon.com slash soda soccer you can also follow us on all of our all of our socials to be in tune whenever we drop a new article new podcast whenever that's at soda soc on twitter specifically but now dom it is time to get into these headlines um and we're going to kick things off as we always do with minnesota united as they survive a wild 4-4 draw with portland at home um just end to end all match long not something we're used to seeing as minnesota united fans to be honest usually it's a pretty defensively sound team that uh, plays in that 2-1-1-1-2-0-1-0 range. Um, not too many 4-4 draws uh, for Minnesota United, but that was the case on Saturday. It was Sebastian Blanco kicking things off less than a minute into the match, just 14 seconds actually, opening things up for Portland. Then it was Fragapane, Bongi getting his second uh, in two matches, and then Amaria with his first of the day, all scoring from the ninth to the 41st minutes. That rockets the loons into the lead 3-1 at half. Then another, uh, you know, they came out of the first half pretty flat. They did the same in the second, did the loons as well as Blanco and Nisgoda score in the first 10 minutes of, of the second half to make it 3-3. Um, a mix-up between Kamar Lawrence and Dane St. Clair leads to the own goal to make it 4-3 to Portland. And then in the 69th, Luis Samaria puts one in the back of the net to make it 4-4, the final. A roller coaster of emotions in this one, Dom. What are your initial yeah. takeaways? I mean... What a what a wild um, ninety minutes of of football, you know. Frankly, probably more wild than I would have liked, but uh, it it was certainly entertaining. It was a crazy match. I think you know, obviously, there's uh, criticism to be had about several moments um, in the match, and that's very valid. At the same time, it's what it did end up feeling like one of those matches where like, wow, just nothing's going right for anybody here mm-hmm. on both sides. You know, it, it's just it's just a, a wild day for for both teams, um, and that can happen. You know, I know um, Adrian Heath, you know, noted that uh, he was you know disappointed with the defense's performance in an uncharacteristic way yeah. on the day. And like you noted, I mean, there's been some games this season where you know there's been some late goals and that sort of thing, and 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 the teams drop points. But it's very rare this season. The Loons very rarely have been in that sort of position where it feels like all oh, 90 minutes just goals are going in on both sides like that. Um, mm. it's, it's been a, a, a relatively conservative performance from, from the defense through the season. So, um, yeah, a crazy game, you know, you, you, you have to credit Minnesota United for getting back into it, obviously after a, a yep. literally nightmare start. Um, and, 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 and again, you, you can credit Luis Samaria for stepping up at the end there and making sure that there is a point to gain from the match at the same time, obviously that. Uh, start of the second half, very disappointing to give up a, a good lead, a well-earned lead. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I think it's hard to, I think it's hard to take too many like academic takeaways from from this game, only in the sense that I think that in a lot of ways it was a bit of a one-off, um, yeah. and, and the sort of thing that can happen when you have two teams with a lot of talent, good coaches, and it's just one of those days, you know, a hot day out, and and things happen. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think it, I think it's a reminder that there are weaknesses defensively in this team that need to be looked at and, and worked on. And that's something I think most people know about. This was a really like exaggerated way of, of, of it taking form. Um, mm-hmm. at the same time, for what it's worth, 
this game did show us one of the more sort of electric performances from the Minnesota front line that we've seen all season uh, from a couple of different pieces. So it, it's a weird one. I think there's actually a lot of positives to take from it. At the same time, you're not winning at home against a playoff rival team. That is a disappointment. That is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of there's, you can kind of look at it from all, all directions. I think the team shouldn't be heartbroken about the result by any means. I think that it shows there's need for improvement. At the same time, Luis Amria continues to sort of develop his goal-scoring form, which is very important. Uh, Bonke continues to develop his goal-scoring form. Fratapane. So there, there's a really interesting mixture of, of positives and negatives, I guess, is what is what I'm trying to get at uh, from, from this draw. Yeah, and that's where it can sort of feel like a waste and maybe really feel like those two points lost. When you, anytime you score four goals at home, you expect to win, right? right. <laughs> anytime you score four goals in general, you expect to win, but especially at home. Um, and, you know, for my money, probably the best offensive performance that we have seen uh, from Minnesota United this, uh, in, in a while. I know you had the 7-1 over Cincinnati a few years ago, but I think this was even more impressive than that when you consider the competition that the Loons were taking on in this one. Uh, But then you also follow that up with one of the worst defensive performances that we've seen in a very long time uh, for Minnesota United. So it is a little bit of a a, a torn feeling there where, yes, you love what you saw on the attacking front, but the fact that you didn't get all three points out of it can really uh, leave that sour taste in the mouth. Um, And, yeah, on that defensive performance too, you know, that own goal, you see the, you know, the mix up there with Kamar Lawrence and Dane St. Clair. Um, there are a couple moments, a couple goals that I thought um, originated from mistakes that we don't normally see. A player we don't normally see mistakes from, Michael Boxall, um, you know, on the own goal specifically. Um, he's sort of clearing, chip clearing a ball out towards the touchline um, with, with no Minnesota United players around. Um, and then, of course, with only Timbers players around what happens when you don't clear the ball out over the touchline, but you leave the ball in play. Well, that ball is coming right back in right. and that ball coming right back in ended up in the back of the net. Um, and then uh, even before that on the goal that made it three, three, you know, it was a really reckless challenge from box hall that led to that set piece that led to the goal. Right. So it's uh, you know, th- those are two instances where, you feel like you definitely would want those back if you're Minnesota United and Michael Boxall specifically. But yeah, I think that sort of just encapsulates the defensive day that Minnesota United had. Um, talking with DJ Taylor training this week, he was saying that, you know, in a way he feels like they maybe were, were giving in to that end-to-end nature of the game when maybe they should have sort of tried to play the way they normally play with that lockdown defense um, right. that they normally that they normally have and normally at least strive to have, you know, not letting four goals pour in on you but um it is what it is at the end of the day it provided a lot of excitement um i don't expect too many of these eight goal uh outputs though uh moving forward uh for the loons as you know you have basically a fully healthy defensive midfield even though will trap is still on the men you get rosales and ariaga there this weekend if they go with the 4-2-3-1 heath was indicating that they may go back to the 4-3-3 this week um and then um then hopefully you get just a better defensive performance along your back line um, and I, I'd expect to see them bounce back. They had a couple good games, uh, before, before this, you call it a one-off. I'll call it a one-off as well. Um, just, uh, you know, not a great performance. So, um, hopefully they can, uh, they can lock it back down against Colorado and at least put in a good defensive shift there. Um, speaking of Colorado, that's coming up this Saturday. Um, the Rapids pulled off a thrilling five, four win. Uh, he said today in training that he thought he was watching their game back for a minute. 
uh, yeah. with all the goals <laughs> that were pouring in in this one. Uh, just, just crazy that Colorado, you know, up three one, um, led in a barrage of goals similar to Minnesota United did, but then Colorado actually able to get the win five four uh, at the Red Bulls midweek. So a big road win for the Rapids. They're coming in on a little bit of confidence. Um, and then off the field, a couple loons pieces of news. Robin Lud signs a three-year extension with Minnesota. Um, well-deserved and well-earned. I mean, he's proved his worth with how many different, just, just let alone how many different positions he's been able to play. But then you also factor in how quality he's been in those positions too, how, how crucial he's been on the wing and now in the defensive midfield. Um, it's, uh, it's been good to see him kind of find a home at numerous places in the pitch, depending on what personnel is available. Um, Mender Garcia, um, all but official. Um, we're just really waiting on immigration paperwork at this point. Um, Adrian Heath said today in training that, uh, that you know, they're, they're not ruling out the possibility of him actually making the trip to Colorado and potentially making mm-hmm. his debut on Saturday. So um, that, that, that could come in. You know, we saw that happen match day one with Kervin Ariaga. His paperwork came in on the plane uh, on the way to the match uh, in Philly. And they obviously needed, needed him for that one. But um, it'll be good if they can get Garcia in. And, and if, even if he's not available this weekend, just having a piece like him um, on the squad and um, integrated in the team is is really, really crucial. Um, evidently, he is fast as hell. Um, he would said that he reckons he's probably the fastest player in the team. Uh, and when you got guys like Fragapane and Bongi and some of those other pieces, that's really saying something. So um, I'm very interested to see how he integrates with the, with the squad and how soon he's able to take the pitch. Uh, Mender Garcia, um, another potential acquisition for Minnesota United. Now, as you're listening to this, the, dead, the deadline is going to be passed. So you'll know whether or not Jonathan Gonzalez is a loon before uh, by the time you listen to this. But as we're recording, we don't. Uh, today on Thursday, Tom Bogert reported that the loan, a six-month loan with an option to buy, is being finalized. Um, Adrian Heath said today that nothing was imminent um, as far as uh, Gonzalez's status with the loons goes. But, um, of course, that's something he really has to say um, until something's actually official. So, um, more to come there. And, obviously, you will know when you're listening to this podcast whether or not uh, the loons were able to get that deal done with Gonzalez from Monterey um, coming to Minnesota. Um, and another interesting nugget that we got in training today, Dominic, this was, and Jacob Schneider, our uh, loons reporter at Soda Soccer tweeted this out as well. You know, we got to talking about the all-star game with Heath because he will be managing the MLS all-stars next week. Um, and Brandon Vasquez was a late add to the all-star roster. And Heath actually mentioned uh, in our media scrum that Minnesota actually tried to trade for Vasquez last season, but you know, similar to, I'm sure a lot of deals that tried to be made, it just couldn't get done. Um, and he has been absolutely incredible for yeah. Cincinnati this season. Absolutely. So it's just one of those, what ifs, what if Minnesota United traded for Brandon Vasquez last year, a lot yeah. of dominoes would not have fallen the way they're currently falling. I'm sure as far as personnel goes. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I suppose we already had enough strikers to fill a full 11. So it's probably good that we did that, but <laughs> But, I mean, no, he's been a fantastic form for Cincinnati. A big part of, of why Cincinnati this season are, are obviously a much more competitive force along with some mm-hmm. additions and moves they've made in the, sort of the back half of the pitch. But uh, he's he's had a fantastic year. Um, I know – I think it was actually Jacob's tweet is probably where I got this. I think Jacob mentioned, you know, obviously uh, Vasquez played at Atlanta before where uh, Harrison Heath was at one point, and apparently there was, there was a, a sort of a connection there of some sort. So 
Um, no, I mean, he's, he's proven to be a really good player uh, at Cincinnati, so that would have been great. But, um, but you know, I, that, that in mind, a lot of positive moves in the market. Robin Lloyd getting that extension, like you said, very well earned. I know some people have been um, not, not questioning him, but just questioning, you know, now that it feels like we kind of have with Fadapane and Lanwane, two guys that are starting on the wings pretty consistently, there is that question of like, well, where does Lloyd go when all of our other defensive midfielders are healthy? And and not um, you know uh, uh, banned via cards or whatever, um, and and that's a question. That's a fair question. But at the same time, when you got a piece that has that much quality and that much uh, 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 variability, you, you can't just lose that. You you need to have that in your pocket as long as you can, as long as it's a manageable situation. So, very much made sense to make that extension. Um, uh, the Garcia and, and the Gonzalez news is very interesting. They, you know, those are interesting players. Not clear yet exactly how they fit into the puzzle of Minnesota United, but you know, I, I'm sure that Adrian Heath and his staff have ideas of how that'll play out, and and that'll be really interesting to see. Mender Garcia, particularly, I think is interesting um, because it's you know potentially a young forward you're investing in for long term, sort of like with Bandi Juanwane. That's something I think we both would have liked for this team to do more in the in recent years. So uh, that that's that's really interesting, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, something that has an impact on this season. But hopefully, also something that uh, you know they can they can put together for twenty twenty three. And yeah, you know, all this happening in the background of that of that four four draw, and now headed to Colorado. Which, to be perfectly honest, if there was a team I didn't want to play after that four four draw, it's probably Colorado. <laughs> Yeah, uh, exactly. But because of the You're already nature, missing three guys due to yeah. yellow card accumulation. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that game was already going to be wild, and, and now I'm yeah. a little concerned. <laughs> yeah. But um, at the same time, you know, I, 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 I sometimes when you when you survive a, a four four draw like that, you get on the other side of that. Sometimes that can create a moment of clarity for a squad. So um, hopefully, you know that that is what happens. Um, but yeah, you know, it's is a lot going on. A busy week for the roster. Obviously, Adrian Heath also having to prepare for for the All Star Week and all that, yeah. um, and some of the Loons having to prepare for the All Star Week. Uh, so you know, a lot going on. But uh, certainly seems like the Loons are are making sure to extend contracts to pieces that are important and seem to bring some pieces in, which is certainly uh, a big part of of keeping momentum and also preparing for next season. So uh, yeah, you know, I, I think all being said, uh, it, it's been a positive week. Uh, with, you know, Loon showing some strength and coming out with a point in that crazy match. And then, uh, you know, some off-the-field positives as well. So for this Colorado match, I mean, it's been well-documented, but you're going to be missing Robin Ludd, Amanda Reynoso, and Michael Boxall due to yellow card accumulation. Will Trapp is still out with the hamstring issue. Um, it's going to be at least till after the All-Star break before he's back available. Um, so, you know, four key components, pillar pieces to this team. That'll be missing. Um, Colorado is 10th in the West right now, but as, as we mentioned, thrilling 5-4 win over the Red Bulls uh, in midweek. Um, you know, they got some guys who can put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, you know, Diego Rubio being one of them. Um, so it's going to be um, another challenge for this Minnesota United back line, uh, who's going to be without Michael Boxall. It's going to be Brent Coleman filling in in that center back spot, who has actually been pretty darn good anytime he's been called upon. 
for Minnesota. It's either make a spot start or, or come in extended minutes in, in a sub role. Um, he's been very, very solid for this team um, when called upon. So I don't see that, you know, being a major issue, but you're coming off of a match, which you let in four goals. Um, now you're going kind of into your second string center back, uh, having to dig into your bench a little bit there. Um, and you're facing a team who has capability to put the ball in the back of the net. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge for Minnesota from a defensive standpoint um, to see if they can sort of get back to the form that we've known, uh, we've come to know from Minnesota and their back line over the last few years. Um, and then obviously it's going to be up to, you know, without, I mean, Reynoso, it's really going to be up to Luis Samaria and Franco Fragapane to sort of drive, you know, be at the wheel, so to speak, uh, on the uh, on the attack and see if Bangi Klangwane can uh, continue his great run of form, maybe make it three goals in three matches. Um, so it's going to be a very intriguing match from a Minnesota United perspective, how they deal with the injuries, what happens in the attack without Reynoso, what formation they go in, will Mender Garcia be available? A lot of questions heading into this one, which again, at the very least, will make it all the more interesting. Yeah, you know, the, the Loons are definitely going to have to find some of the, uh, uh, the the greater motivation behind, you know, that that Houston win, for example, on the road where they were missing Reynoso, missing some pieces. So uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one. This game is always weird. Colorado, Minnesota United is always weird. It always finds a way to be strange and unpredictable. Uh, so in, in that sense, and always a couple of goals. So. You know, in that sense, uh, you know, the fact that there's some asterisks on the on the teams itself probably just means it's going to be more of what it always is. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I have some um, optimism that you know some of the players that are starting to really show up in these last couple of games uh, are able to figure that out as they have in a couple other games again, like that Houston game. Uh, and, and we'll have to see, you know, like you said, Coleman coming in, that is technically that's not ideal in the sense that you would probably want your starting back line for that game. But at the same time, he's very capable. Uh, Botsell did not have a great match against Portland. Maybe that means it's a, it's a good moment for some rotation, for some change. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to have to see. People should certainly predict a, a intense and strange match because that's simply what this matchup always ends up being. But uh, I, I certainly look forward to seeing how how the Loons figure figure it all out and then of course after the weekend comes mls all-star week right here in minnesota of course the all-star game on wednesday the 10th but a ton of events and activities in the days leading up to it you have the skills challenge on tuesday uh which both of minnesota united's all-stars Mano reynoso and dane st Clair, will also be participating which is really cool um and then uh, a lot of those national mls you know podcasts events uh shows We'll be done right here in Minnesota during All-Star Week, including MLS Extra Time, who, uh, you know, Minnesota United fans have a very uh, interesting relationship with MLS Extra Time. But they'll be doing a live recording at the Black Heart in St. Paul on Sunday. Yeah, that's Sunday at 7 p.m. Uh, good old Bruce McGuire doing a DJ set afterwards, too. Should be a fun time at the Black Heart on Sunday. Um, and then at some point next week, maybe Monday or Tuesday, I'm not sure which day it's actually going to be. Uh, the Cooligans are actually doing a little uh, live stand-up special at the Blackheart as well. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really really fun week. Um, really cool to have the All Star Game here in our backyard. Um, Jacob Schneider from uh, SodaSoccer.com will you know he's credentialed. He's gonna be at a, a lot of the events and handling our coverage there from Allianz Field and wherever 
all-star festivities are taking place all week long. So should be a lot of fun. And of course it culminates with the game on Wednesday, there will be media availability with Heath and the all-stars uh, on Tuesday, which Jacob Schneider will hopefully get us some, uh, some info and some tidbits from. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, and talking to Heath today about the all-star game, he's like, I, you know, math has never been my strong suit, but uh, fitting 26 players into 11 is, <laughs> is not easy. So um, he's got a, obviously got a lot of decisions to make. Um, we'll be interesting to see if maybe he gives Reynoso a little extra run on Wednesday, considering he won't be available this coming Saturday uh, mm. to get his feet back under him, just from a, from a selfish perspective, from a Minnesota United perspective, it'll be interesting to see how much we see of Dane St. Clair and Emmanuel Reynoso, but there's obviously so many guys to get in the match. It's tough to think that you're going to really see anybody get much more than 25, 30 minutes. Um, so um, yeah, it's just going to be a lot of fun though. I imagine Ray and Dane will both start. Um, and it's just going to be a cool atmosphere spectacle, uh, to have right here in our backyard, a very, uh, just another unique thing. We had a, a match against a premier league team just two weeks ago, and now we're hosting, uh, the league MX all-stars and the MLS all-stars at Allianz field. Very, very cool. Yeah. And it's great that, you know, like, like we pointed out with some of the different like MLS related media and stuff, it's great that it's going to be a chance for. Uh, the Minnesota and particularly the Twin Cities, you know, soccer scene and community to kind of have some extra exposure, have some different people coming in and out and, and, and interacting. And that's always fun. So, yeah, it's it's cool that that uh, Minnesota and St. Paul were able to get this event, obviously, with the 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 effort and investment put into Allianz Field. And uh, hopefully the uh, the loons attached to, to the game have, you know, good performances, good weeks. Uh, and yeah, that is interesting question of, of how much Reynoso gets out of all this that all-star games are always very strange because yeah you, you want everyone to play obviously but uh that's not how <laughs> the game's designed so uh it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out but I'm very interested you know I, I like that uh MLS has has changed this to to being more of an all-star versus all-star event I prefer that actually to having um just clubs from Europe you, you know come over and, and play an all-star team I, I prefer this mm-hmm. format so I look forward to seeing how it how it goes and uh, seeing how how MLS performs against Liga MX. I'm sure the opposing coaches won't want to see their players playing very much, uh, but the players I'm sure are going to want, want to be playing quite a bit because <laughs> yeah. uh, you know facing a team like the Liga MX All Stars, uh, you know you're going to want to show out against that uh, against that squad. So um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how how Heath manages the roster and just what kind of spectacle we get on Wednesday and. It's a measuring stick for MLS. Where are they in comparison to League MX, right? How right. how comparable are these leagues? Well, uh, the this All-Star game, while not the perfect answer, uh, at least gives us a direct lead to league comparison as far as the best players. So very excited for that on Wednesday and, of course, all the festivities happening starting Sunday through the week. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 Pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro 
buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, it was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Now, though, is where we transition down to the lower leagues. And the biggest piece of lower league news came via Rochester, Minnesota and Rochester FC. Previously of the UPSL Midwest Conference West Division, they announced that their men's side will be joining USL League 2 in 2023. And they will be adding a women's side to play in the USLW League in 2023 as well. Uh, A new rebranded badge for Rochester FC as well. Um, which I think is is pretty cool, Dom. I know badges are at the end of the day not the end all be all, but it's something fun to talk about. What do you think of this new new look for Rochester FC? In addition to all the you know the the changes that they're making from an organizational standpoint. Yeah, I I, I like the badge. I think it's nice. I think um, it's probably a a good uh, improvement from the previous one, which was certainly not a bad badge, but this one maybe has a little more personality to it. Stands out a little more. Um, it's a cool kind of combination of obviously the the minnesota inspirations it has a loon on it and all that colors that the blue of of the team that has always had but it also kind of connects to minnesota and all that but at the same time there's a little touch of the team's origins in that uh you know the the loon's eye is yellow instead of red because uh, the founders of this team are of of, of bosnian origin and as sort of a, a a connection from their home country to, to the badge. So yeah, it's a, it's a nice look. Um, I think it stands out a little more, has a little more personality than the previous one, which uh, I think it will suit them well as they sort of take on a, a bigger challenge um, on the pitch and, and all that, you know, I think this is a really interesting move. I did not uh, see this coming <laughs> to be perfectly honest until, mm-hmm. until I got the email saying it was going to happen. Uh, I did not, really think that this is this was where that the direction the club was going in but it's it's a really ambitious exciting move for them you know this is an organization that has a really strong dedication to local talent and developing youth uh so it's exciting to see another club like that enter usl league two and of course uh expand minnesota's presence in in league two and the w league uh adding a third club in, in the first and a second club in the second so um yeah i mean i i think that Minnesota's presence in upper level amateur soccer only benefits from this. Uh, it provides a club for a different part of the state as well. Obviously more in the Southern part of Minnesota, uh, you know, great opportunity for uh, local talent from places like Rochester and, and Austin and those sorts of places. And um, yeah, I, it's exciting. It's exciting. It provides a new rivalry for, for all these teams. Uh, Aurora get. Yep. Uh, even closer, a Minnesota-based rivalry for, for next season, which is great. And, of course, Minneapolis City and St. Croix Legends get to develop a relationship with with Rochester FC. You know, Rochester FC and, and Minneapolis City have existed for sort of similar amounts of time, but never in the same league. So it's an opportunity for those two clubs to interact more. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I think um, it, it's great for everybody. I think everybody benefits from this. I think um, I might have mentioned this in the stoppage time. We kind of touched on this um, a week or two ago. but 
I think Rochester FC's probably going to have a tough first season just because they're making a really serious jump. And again, they, they're pretty focused on local talent. But uh, at the same time, I, I know that the folks that run that organization, run that club are really committed to their mission. And I, I have no doubt that they are you know prepared to weather that storm and figure things out. So uh, yeah, again, exciting moment for, for soccer in Rochester and Southern Minnesota. Exciting for the presence of those two leagues in this area. And, uh, you know, an interesting, there's been a lot of conversation over the last couple of years, very much sparked on by uh, Minneapolis City joining USL League 2 last year about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether or not League 2 is in a position to to replace the NPSL, as, as, you know, as a stronger presence in the state at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are seeing a, a group of, of clubs in that league really starting to grow in the state. So yeah. uh, I think it provides a really interesting sort of background uh, narrative to these two leads as they continue to develop in Minnesota, uh, you know, fighting to sort of have the best of the best and so on. So, yeah, really interesting and uh, looking forward to seeing what Rochester can bring to the table in 2023. Uh, to me, the interesting part of this from the W League perspective is, you know, Minnesota Aurora was sort of the 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 lone Minnesota team sort of rep- representing the entire state and, right. you know, kind of all that uh but now you sort of have rochester fc thrown into the mix and that's not saying minnesota aurora and rochester fc can't share supporters and share fans and, and different things like that but you know now you have this you know aurora's not the only game in town now for uh you know minnesota squads in the w league so uh provides them a little bit more of a local rivalry i'm sure they'll enjoy uh the short travel uh to and from uh you know and vice versa uh you know to rochester and rochester up to here so that's going to be interesting to see how that changes up the dynamic of the heartland division and the w league in year two um what new other new teams may be joining the division if there's any realignment of divisions depending on new teams from 2023 to 2022 so um yeah that's there's a lot of exciting things there and then obviously from the league two perspective that gives you three minnesota teams now with minneapolis city st croix and rochester um, and just it just makes it more exciting, more local teams and local talent to follow, more opportunities for local talent to shine and get a bigger stage to play on the League Two stage. Give you that hashtag path to pro, right? So I think it's uh, all positive things here. So um, kudos to Rochester for making that kind of move, and um, we'll see how it plays out for them in 2023 in their first seasons in both League Two and the W League. Uh, final piece of lower league news here. It was the final week of Wapassel, and it's Bateau FC standing atop once again. I told you, I told you, Dominic. Uh, they went the end of season Eau Claire Derby three to two to secure that 2022 title, their third straight. Um, Hayward wins two one against Lobos in the Mally Lumsden uh, with the Mally Lumsden brace to end the year on a positive note. Bateau and Hayward were supposed to play in the Wisconsin Challenge Cup. Um, and near Milwaukee, or actually in Wisconsin Dells, excuse me, uh, this coming weekend. But unfortunately, that uh, that tournament was canceled, and they're looking ahead to 2023. So um, didn't think necessarily the seasons as a whole were over for Bateau and Hayward, but with that tournament being canceled, it is now officially the offseason for both of them with that one-two finish in Wapassel. Um, Poskin, after uh, a season of a lot of lows, but a few highs, um, they beat Spartan. 8-1 to uh, wrap up the season on a high note. And then um, the first and second teams, all league, were announced on social media. Uh, Mally Loomsdoon of Hayward 
gets the golden boot and league MVP. Mason Gebert of Lobos gets the golden glove. Lushi Zong of Union Eau Claire wins midfielder of the year. And then Sadith Oseni of Union Eau Claire wins defender of the year. So, um, you know, while Bateau wins the league, they didn't really necessarily get anybody in the uh, individual um, individual accolades, I guess. And they also had the fewest combined players in the Wapassel first and second teams too, which make it, I think, all the more impressive that they were able to find a way to secure that third straight league title. Yeah, it is, it, it's it's funny how that worked out, but I think it's a testament to the the, the, the real competitiveness that developed between those four teams. Um, you know, obviously, Bateau had a very good team. They won the league. But, you know, the fact that maybe those other three teams actually did have some of the more standout players is maybe credit, like you said, to the fact that Bateau were able to figure it out and, and get the title. Um, but yeah, those, those four teams, respectively, Bateau, uh, Hayward, Lobos, and, and Union, all had a lot of talent in different positions. Uh, really, really put together an entertaining season with, a, with a, a real back and forth kind of title race across the year. Uh, you know, at different points, it felt like three to five different teams were going were gonna to get it. So um, that's always great. Great to see that can that sense of competitiveness and, and that just the culture continued to develop in Wapassel. And yeah, I mean, uh, uh, congratulations to Bateau obviously for, for, uh, I, well, the three Pete, uh, and, uh, congratulations obviously to those players that stood out, you know, Mally Lumsden had a wild individual season, uh, just kept and kept scoring. Uh, and unfortunately Hayward, you know, conceded a couple of goals in a couple of games that meant that they couldn't, uh, they couldn't, add that up to to a title of their own but uh he had a great year and and just those top four again really helped motivate this league you know even though you know obviously you had some situations where you know baron for instance weren't able to finish the season those four were able to really keep i think the mo the momentum going for what passel this season and really keep things on a positive note competitive note which is great you know as a person from Western Wisconsin, I, I love seeing that this this league is really working hard to continue to develop, uh, you know, that that sense of culture and community around the game. Uh, really cool what what Union and Bateau were able to do in Eau Claire this year in terms of building a rivalry, getting people to that game. Pretty cool that Bateau ended up winning the title formally through winning that 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 rivalry game, the second of uh, of it, of the second edition of it this season. And uh, yeah, just again, congratulations to everybody that got personal awards or club awards and, and really encouraged by uh, just the continued growth of this league and, and how it's developing the game in Western Wisconsin. Yeah, it's been a really, it's been really cool to see what pass will grow. Um, I remember talking to Caden Bergman in 2020 when they were coming off their first season and uh heading into 2000 heading into the 2020 season they ended up playing an abbreviated season in the summer uh following covid uh, but just it, it, it seemed and felt so small at the time and i'm sure it did to him as well and now it's grown into something that you know is really seen as one of the uh you know no pun intended the per, one of the premier leagues uh in uh in wisconsin uh premier amateur soccer league so um, big kudos to Caden and everybody involved in Wapassel and these clubs to shout out Union Eau Claire for just an unbelievable debut season as well, right there in the title hunt till the very end. 
um, and obviously getting a handful of guys in the in the accolades in the first and second teams at the end of the year too. So um, very cool to see how things will continue to expand and evolve for Opasal in 2023. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Night Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista. I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Night Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Night Street, including Minnesota United Watch Parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Night. Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. All right, Dom, it's time for top four. Now, we're going to do things a little bit different. Usually, we each take a couple of news stories, totaling four news stories, um, and we sort of talk about them, mention them, uh, riff on them a bit. But being that per- the Premier League is going to start this season, Dom, or start this season, start their season this weekend, uh, on Friday, as you're listening, is the first match of the year, and then obviously more matches through the weekend. Um, I want each of us to answer four questions regarding the Premier League. Now, I have come up with these four questions off the top of my head. Um, so uh, we did not talk about these four questions prior to this. So this is going to be completely off the cuff and completely um, knee-jerk answers to these. So if they're not the most insightful, analytical, you know, just deal with it. Um, first thing, first questions first, Dom. Okay. Who's winning the league? Uh, I promise this isn't because I like them, but I I have a genuine feeling that Liverpool can win the league this year. That is my yeah. genuine, as my genuine guess. I'm I'm going Man City. You know my you know my philosophy, Dom. Yeah. Be the man. You got to beat them. I don't yeah. see many teams in the Premier League beating Man City this year. That's that's um, definitely true. Yeah. They're 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 restocked, relocked, and loaded, ready to go. Um, I I think it may be Man City, Liverpool, one two with everybody else, sort of that distant third and beyond uh, again this season, uh, which serve isn't great for parity and isn't great for you know excitement at the top of the table. But just considering where these rosters are, I think uh, I think that's where we're going. Um, all right, Dom. Question two: Which three teams? Are getting relegated at season's end. I'm a, I, I had it pulled up on my phone. I just want to look at the tables, make sure I'm not forgetting anybody. So I think. Okay, I think I think Bournemouth are going down. I know a lot of media agree with that. I think Bournemouth are going down. They haven't really made any changes from their team that got promoted, and I just unfortunately that club doesn't bring a lot of confidence to me. Um, hmm. I think um, Fulham 
might go down. I Fulham are a likable club, but they have they, they the last what two times they've been promoted, they do this weird thing where they look like they put together a great roster and they immediately go down. So I I just can't put any faith in them uh, for that. I think Forest will stay up. I think uh, I don't think all three of the promoted teams will go down. I think the no, last don't, don't do this, Tom. Don't do this. I know where you're going. Don't do it. It's not Everton. It's not Everton. Oh, I mean, I don't think they're going to finish super high, but it's not Everton. No, they're not. They're not. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Brentford. Okay. Uh, wow, I think they were the bees, huh? They they were the darlings last season. You're saying they're yeah, going back to I think down Brentford are kind of kind of have a Sheffield United thing happen where... Mm-hmm. They're going to have a great first year. This happens sometimes. They're going to have a great first year up in the Prem. And uh, their second year, you know, they've lost a couple pieces. Last year, Erickson coming in was a big part of why they survived. He's obviously not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't think it's going to work out for him. And I, I don't think I don't think, um, I don't think it's going to be like a, a, a huge gap between, uh, what, 18th and 17th. I, I'm sure there'll be a couple teams that are tight to that spot, but. Uh, if I had a guess right now, I'd, I'd put Brentford there. So that's my three. Okay, here's my three. Whew, deep breath. Um, Bournemouth and Fulham, hundred percent going down. Um, I would, I would. The odds on that, if the odds on that weren't so ridiculous, I would put a little bit of money on it. But there are high, high odds that both those teams are going down. This third spot's interesting. I mean, look, as a Toffee fan, I'm very well aware it could be Everton. Um, Wolves are picked to finish very, very low on the table by a lot of people. Um, Southampton's there as well. Mm. Um, I think if you were to put Everton up against Southampton, I, I would maybe my biased perspective, I would pick Everton, uh, in, in that. So, um, purely to keep Everton in the Prem, um, I'm going Southampton as my third, uh, third team going down. So you had Bournemouth, Fulham, and Brentford. I'm taking Bournemouth, Fulham, and Southampton to go down. Neither of us have Everton, which means the Toffees are probably going down. Next season. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, all right. Third question. Who is going to be this year's surprise team? Now, surprise mm. team meaning a team that you don't really – you could go the Leeds route where, you know, Leeds did come up with a lot of momentum and a lot of people feeling like they would finish high. Um they actually, I think, went on a run that even exceeded those expectations uh, a couple of years ago when they were called up. Um, Brentford would be an, an example last season. Do you see any teams that are either coming up like uh, like a Nottingham Forest or any teams that have been you know, traditional mid to bottom dwellers in the Premier League that are could make a jump this year? Or is it a mid-table team that's making a jump toward the top? Could be either one of those. Yeah. Um... I think, uh, let's see. I think Forest are going to be better than people think. I think Forest are going to do well, not six, seven, but I, I think they'll finish like good mid table. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just they've picked up some really good players, and they 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 have just that's a, a good club with good culture, good infrastructure, good stadium. I just think that they'll find a way to push through the season. They got um, jizz too, Dom. I don't know if you saw that. Nottingham got jizz. There you go. Jizz, That's the Jizz key. Horn, That's the key. Jizz Horncamp. There you he's, go. Uh, he's good at fitting in those tight spaces. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's enough for me. Continue, Dom. <laughs> um, you know, the other team that I think could do well, I'm not 
I'm not sure if they've made any made any signings that like blow my mind, but I, I do think that Crystal Palace could have done better last year, and I think they will do better this year mm-hmm. um, with Patrick Vieira at the head. I, I I think that he was on to something last year. There were some bumpy periods of the season, but when they were in shape, in form, they they were able to put together some good runs, and I I think that they'll you know comfortably finish mid table, maybe even compete for you know maybe like a seventh place a europa conference league spot or something like that i i think that they have the ability to do something like that uh so they could you know they they could prove to be a, a, a an annoyance for you know like the west hams and leicesters and whoever of the top six don't do well this year they could prove to be an annoyance for them in terms of getting you know six or seven i think that they have the potential for that my oh, i hate saying this I really hate saying this. My surprise is going to be <coughs> – sorry, I'm getting sick just thinking about it. Um, I, I think I think Spurs, with, with the signings and the money they've actually spent and may continue to spend um, in, the, in the winter window too, I think they're finally opening the bank account and they're finally um, giving themselves an opportunity to put the team on the field. That will give them the best opportunity to, to you know, challenge – for a, a Premier League championship. Um, and I think they will be up there in that same tier as Man City and Liverpool this year. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they'll finish necessarily finish top two, but they're not gonna be they're not gonna be, I think they're gonna be head and shoulders above Man United, Arsenal, West Ham, uh, Chelsea. Like I think they're gonna be sort of up closer to that Man City Liverpool tier and not necessarily in that four, five, six range. Um, that you know, traditionally they, they've been a five to eight, maybe top four if they're lucky type type squad. You know, they've they've challenged for Champions League spots and gotten Champions League spots before in the past, but it's been a while since they've really challenged at the top. And I think this is the year they do it. Yeah, I think it's a good shout. I, I think that's they have a good team. They've made really good additions, even if they've been a little quieter. I, you know, I mean, even I know that a lot of people don't like him but richarlison is a great signing it's a great depth signing for them i don't think he starts um, but man i think he's sure. a really good piece you can you can turn to and you put all that obviously in the hands of 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 an elite manager antonio conte i mean yeah i i think that it's very 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 possible for them to get top four and certainly possible for for them to at the very least be one of the teams that pressure the the top two or um, maybe even get some points off the off Liverpool and Man City. Yeah, no, I, I think they have that in them. Fourth and final question: Which one of the big six finishes last of those six, and where do they finish, Dom? Um, there's a you know there's, I, there's a lot of debate about this right now. I know that like I okay, I'm gonna slightly I'm gonna slightly answer a different question, but it's gonna be answering this question. I know that Arsenal fans think every year that they're going to be great and they're not, but I actually think this year that they have a really good like plan. I think Arsenal will do well this year. And I think that, you know, who knows, but I think it's entirely possible that Chelsea and United get bumped out of top four. And if that happens, I would guess that it's United, Chelsea, and then top four. Um, yeah, so you because think I think the, the Chelsea have a better group. Top six here. Yeah, 
So, so I think, I think it's, you know, I know that United have a big project they're kind of redoing right now and obviously a new manager and all that, but uh, I've not seen a ton of reason to think that it's going to equal a great season this year. And everyone else has pretty much improved. I mean, even Chelsea, I don't think Chelsea's made great signings. I don't think Raheem Sterling is a like amazing mm-hmm. signing, but it's an interesting signing and he probably will score goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so uh, to answer your original question, I think United will probably finish bottom of the six, and I think they'll probably finish in six. I think the prevailing opinion is that outside of the big six, West Ham is the only team that's worth a damn this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think I, I tend to agree. I, I like Newcastle. I think Leicester is always kind of a, a dangerous team to look at. Um, I think Villa's fallen off pretty pretty substantially. You mentioned Crystal Palace earlier. I think there's a, they're a team that could – weasel their way into a top eight, top seven scenario. Um, if the right, if the right buttons are pushed, um, but I'm going to ride the West Ham train a little bit here. Um, I think they sort of sandwich between the top four and five and six. Um, I think similar to, you know, my, to beat the man, you got to beat the man thing. Man United has to show me they're worth a shit before I actually. Yeah. It. Um, cause I, it just, and it seems like they're having one heck of an off season with a lot of people wondering what's going to go, you know, with, uh, with Ronaldo and, you know, him being a distraction. And it just seems like there's a lot of uncertainty for Man United this year. seems like they could finish third or ninth, you right. know, <laughs> like, right. I, I really think, uh, so I, I don't necessarily see them finishing behind a Newcastle or a Leicester. But I think I think West Ham's a quality enough side that they could take advantage of what Man United and Chelsea might not be this year. Um, maybe even challenge uh, Arsenal for a four spot. So um, the way I see it shaking out is I, I really like Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, and Arsenal in that top four. Um, I think West Ham is right there, maybe in fifth. Chelsea six, Man United seven. So uh man U is my kind of last of the big six and i think they finish seventh so that's where i'm Fair going with that this year all right i think that'll do it dom is that the end of the podcast i think that's the end of the podcast i think we do have more content for you though yeah. a little 10k stoppage time coming up over on patreon.com slash soda soccer so if you want to get more content from Dominic and myself, low as $5 a month, you can help us out, support what we're doing, and get a little bonus podcast. So head over there now if you'd like more 10K. And after 51 and a half minutes, this is a new record, Dom. Uh, <laughs> we bid you adieu. Have a good weekend. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the weekend action. Enjoy the MLS All-Star game next week. Dom and I- Damn. I called you damn, Dom. Uh, (laughs) Dom and I will be back next Friday to break down all the action for another episode of 10K. Till then, see you guys.